This is definitively uncertain. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 78 of Definitively Uncertain. I am John Colbert with me as always. Adele Colbert. And today, from another part of Alberta, we have a very good friend of mine who wanted to come on because he decided that uh, what Adele was reading on the interwebs was kind of bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) So it's my buddy Dustin. How's it going, man? Good. You guys? Good. Pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, so you listen to the podcast. You're one of six people, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, do you want to? Uh, well, maybe we should give a bit of background. So you are one of those rare people in Alberta that's a, a true Albertan. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're not from Newfoundland <laughs> <laughs> or Ontario. Yeah. Um, and have you always lived in Southern Alberta? Yes. My whole life has been pretty much in Southern Alberta. Um, we did live in Northern Alberta right on the border between what was then Northwest Territories and Alberta in a small town. Um, we lived up there for a couple of years, but yeah, it's been Southern Alberta pretty much my whole life. And it's pretty well been like a, like growing up for you has been more like a, farm or urban kind of the way you were raised yeah yeah no it was more um small town farm living i did live in the city but uh i was kind of born and bred country i guess yeah yeah cool so um so yeah so we did talk about we've talked about a lot of things about alberta like since we've come here and uh i i personally feel like i'm more home here than I, th- I, I think I felt in Ontario. Um, I don't know if it's because of just the way of life out here or, or the, you know, it's, if it's the friends that I've made or, or what, but it's always been a, I don't know, I've always felt a little bit more comfortable out here. It's been, it's, it's kind of weird that way. Yeah, it's a lot of people harp on Alberta and our mentality out here, but it's more of a, I guess the word is more of a traditional um, grassroots kind of mentality for Alberta. We're willing to help out our neighbors. Um, it's kind of that country living. When you when you look at farmers, they always go out and they help each other out. And Alberta's kind of that way too. Um, yes, we have our flaws in some of the ways we look at things, but all in all, um, we're there for each other and support and very friendly. Um, you know, it's it's kind of... When you look at Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, the biggest cities are still some of the smallest in Canada, right? Yeah, for sure. So even the bigger cities in Alberta or Saskatchewan or the, you know, Manitoba, um, it's still kind of that small, small town feel most of the time, especially in Alberta when you got um, the Stampede in Calgary and Klondike days in Edmonton, you know, kind of brings that country um, grassroots back that heritage back yeah for sure so um the other thing that you uh you kind of like for being an albertan you also were in the oil and gas industry and uh you know so, so you have that perspective from a side that i don't i i only know because of you 
you know, like I don't, because I was never really in it, but I agree with you on, on most parts of it, right? Like it's a, and I understand it for sure. But for a lot of people out there, I think that they don't see, um, you know, the oil and the oil and gas is just killing everything, right? It's destroying everything. It's killing everything, you know, and, uh, you know, we're just a bunch of spoiled hicks out here that, you know, make a ton of money and you don't have to be educated or smart. You can just go out there and, and do it. That's, that's the way pretty well Ontario and East from there feels. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems to be the general consensus. Um, just a little bit of my background in the oil field. Um, I started when I was 18 years old. So I basically was like right out working. Um, and I've spent the greater part of my adult life in the oil patch every now and then I try to make my getaway and escape so I can be more of a family man. But yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to work in, uh, various areas of the oil patch too so you kind of see for yourself firsthand what's actually going on and you can tell it's very misunderstood a lot of people um they just they take the negative and they run with it they don't see the positive um especially within alberta and canada a lot of people don't understand what it's like to to operate in this country and if a lot of people actually took the time to research it, I think a lot more people would be proud of our oil industry. Um, it's a it's a leading industry in environmental processes, research, finding greener ways, more efficient ways, um, reclamation. Um, like I've worked up at Fort Mac for eight years of um, my oil, oil patch career. And what you see are the worst pictures you can possibly find, which is the mines that are being used at that um, very time, the ones that they're actually pulling the oil out of. But when you look all around it, you see lush green forests that you think are, or have been there for hundreds of years, but they're actually from the reclamation process. You would never know that there was an open pit mine in those areas. And it goes like that worked pipeline as well. Um, you could never tell a pipeline right away besides the fact that there's a very narrow right away with no trees, but it's always lush with, you know, grass and um, vegetation and animals and stuff like that. Um, same with drilling side too. Um, I worked on that side as well. And again, um, it's just one of those things that people, they kind of hear what uh, the government's feeding them or the media's feeding them with trigger words. And uh, they, they kind of jump to conclusions and they kind of get this hate on for what we're doing here. Yeah. So Adele, what do you think of um, the oil fields and stuff like that? Like what, what, do you have any opinions on it? Not really, because I don't really know a lot about it. Like I know what, what people tell me is like it's bad for the environment and all that kind of stuff but i haven't done my own research so i haven't really been able to formulate my own opinion on it so but from what from what you hear from most people like your age what do you hear uh most people my age uh a lot of their parents work in the oil industry so they're all pretty supportive of it yeah 
So I'd say it's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. The general consensus among um, my my age group, I guess, is that it's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good though, because they like in in see like even the news like even you turn on the news here and like when Neil Young was complaining about it, you know, it was just ridiculous. And when Leonardo DiCaprio comes here and says, you know, the uh, the climate change, like he's seen it firsthand with the with global, the global warming. <laughs> yeah, you know, like when they have a platform, right, of millions and millions of people. So when they say something, it just gets picked up and then that's it. And the best meme wins, right? Like that's kind of the way it's... It, I think it works nowadays. Yeah, People don't really watch the news or even try to understand the news. Instead, it's just the best meme on Facebook wins and that's what they're outraged about. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate that, um, that they do. And like I said, um, it's just kind of the platform between celebrities and media. And like one thing I'll ask you, Adele, is when you hear, um, Dirty oil. What's what comes to your mind when you hear that? Uh, I've I've heard I don't know Alberta oil called dirty oil a lot. <laughs> and like when you when you hear that, what does that bring to mind for you? Like what? As soon as you hear that word dirty oil, um, what is your thought process after that? What are you kind of envisioning? What are you imagining? Um, what emotions are you feeling about it? Uh, that it's bad for the environment and it's just like killing everything. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I would suppose. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was talking about with um, trigger words. So one trigger word that's always used about Alberta oil <clears throat> is dirty oil. So that's what they refer to our oil as. And in the oil industry, what that means is that our oil um, in Alberta, it's no more dirtier than anywhere else. It goes through the same process. Dinosaurs died, plants died. Um, got buried underground, produced oil. Um, the difference is, is that ours is like, especially in the oil sands, it's a thick um, molasses type tar where you look at Saudi oil and it's kind of a thinner, um, more, uh, I don't want to say cleaner, but it's just, uh, it's easier to process. So okay. that's that's what they mean by um dirty oil in the oil industry is just that our oil is thicker so it takes a bigger process but what people envision when they hear this dirty oil and what you see in all these protests is that how bad is it for their environment but like i was saying with our oil industry we in canada are setting the precedence for the rest of the world of how to do this efficiently and clean because when you go up to fort mcmurray um, they take the pictures of these big, huge stacks spewing out what looks like smoke. And in all actuality, that is steam. So they use the steam instead of burning or using harsh chemicals. They use it to soften up this tar so that it becomes easier to pipe it through the plants they have up there to now break it down into different types of oils or um, fuels to use, right? Yep. And I think the biggest thing when it comes to Canada is um, I look at it as we have the cleanest oil. Because if you look at countries like um, Saudi Arabia or Iraq or 
even in Africa or any other country where they do this work, labored standards are nil. There's nothing. Guys die on, on the drilling rigs or doing pipeline every day and nothing's done about it. There's no laws to protect them. Um, these are countries that have um, like, uh, I guess, unhumane um, governance of people like, um, not to kind of get sidetracked here, but you know, in, in countries in the Middle East, a lot of them don't accept whether you are um, gay or not, you can't be sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you're a different religion, um, you know, they don't accept that. They're, just, so to, they're not tolerant. Is Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So to me, dirty oil would be that, would be oil that's coming from countries that um, aren't looking at environmentally friendly ways to operate or to process or to refine and have no human rights. Like if you, the reason why um, Canadian oil is a lot more expensive than anywhere else is because the cost to operate here. And the cost to operate so expensive is because of the human rights, the labor laws, everything we have to protect people within Canada to make sure that it's done efficiently, cleanly, and, you know, looking after your most valuable resources, which is the people who are doing all this work for you. And I think that's the biggest thing that people need to take out of it. It's the words that are being used and the trigger words, like, like we're talking about with dirty oil is how these people are kind of changing the, the outlook on it. When really you look at the Canadian way of doing it, we are the cleanest oil. I get you. <laughs> she's, you could tell that she's like interested <laughs> and not interested all at the same time. <laughs> it's kind of that funny. Was, that was really, it was long-winded. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So if we broke it down another way too, um, in other countries, um different different other other different things that they take out of the ground say you know that um are are valuable mm -hmm. um have you ever heard of blood diamond no no blood diamond is they call it blood diamonds because usually they get children and basically slaves to mine diamonds and they end up dying so they're they're called blood diamonds because they're just illegal mines that you know, and then they end up selling the diamonds and mm -hmm. making money and nobody ever really gets anything from it. And like any workers, they basically get beat, get fed nothing. And, you know, and most of the time die of just being overworked. Yeah. Right? But people don't, they see that. Right. And they go, Oh, that's not fair. You know, but they don't say it with oil mm -hmm. for some reason, you know, uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia could go, you know, we're going to drop our oil and kind of screw the whole economics of it, like basically screw Canada, and people are okay with it. They yep. just don't seem to really care. Like it's, you know, they've been making billions and billions of dollars for a lot of years, and them to to kind of just blow up an economy like they did was was a it was terrifying that they could do that and that there's no regulation on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, the the one thing that got you triggered, Dustin, was hearing Adele talk about um, the guns and the, kind of the wording that she used. <laughs> yeah, so 
not not so much triggered for me, but as um, well triggered as, enough that you wanted to come on is what I mean. Like you yeah, wanted to absolutely. explain it. As as a gun owner myself, um, I just I understand the gun community, and um, like I said, there's <clears throat> there's trigger words that get used all the time, and your media puts it in your face, your government puts it in your face, and people don't realize it, but these words um, create this this fear or um, un, like not understanding fully of what is happening. It just, it triggers emotion and they react on that. And it, there's no logic behind it, right? And some of the words in the gun community, um, people who own firearms, they're trying to change these words because when used, it, it kind of, it creates that hysteria where people are like, oh my God, oh my God, the world's ending sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So one, one thing we were talking about um, for trigger words is assault weapon or assault rifle. So this is a trigger word that the media has been using. Um, when you talk to the gun community or gun advocates, they don't use assault um, because when you hear the word assault, the first thing it's going to do is trigger that emotion of being hurt or someone attacking you. So you hear assault and right away you're like, you shut down to anything else, but the fear of it, because now you're, that word's been taught to you your whole life that when somebody assaults you, they're hitting you with something or doing something to harm you. Right. Yep. So <clears throat> that's one trigger word that the, the media and our government likes to use and military. So they keep, they keep using the word military weapons, military grade, military. So that's another trigger word that a lot of people, when they look at it, they're like, well, why does a civilian need a military weapon? And that's, that's what they, that's how they get away with that trigger word is using military weapon is the people are all of a sudden, okay, oh, well, yeah, they don't need it. I agree with you without doing any research or knowing really, um, use or function or what's going on besides that right yeah another thing um that our military and government likes to throw around is high powered so if if you want to look at any firearm they're all high powered it doesn't matter whether it's hunting rifle or anything there's power behind it to, to launch a projectile to kill something um, if you're a hunter or people, if you're military police, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. When they're when they're describing these military style weapons, a lot of them are in a lower caliber. So, 223 is common for an AR-15 or any of those style of um, firearms. And when you look at 223 compared to something I use, I use a 308 for hunting, which is a higher caliber. So what makes them a high-powered weapon then, right? But that's what they're trying to do is that it's a key, another trigger word to kind of to fear, make people afraid when they hear high power or something that's a lot more dangerous or whatever, right? Yeah. And the other thing that our government also likes to use is um, killing as many people in the shortest time possible. In Canada with the legal weapons to, that you can possess, we don't have high capacity weapons. Um, our rifles, um, 
like the AR-15 style rifles are all pinned to five rounds. In the United States, you can get up to 120 rounds. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the difference in what I like um, kind of the conversation you guys were talking about before is these words are more or less kind of being used as trigger words and it's it's words that the gun community is trying to get away from or not people not using because we we see it as soon as um, somebody hears those words they kind of shut down to any other reasoning or thought or any other debate it's all of a sudden okay i'm afraid of this let's ban it sort of thing right you know what i mean yep so okay so now from what i understand you have two years now to get your guns bought and back is that right so yes there's a two-year amnesty period um right now um, just like the new gun banner, governments put very little thought in how this is going to go down. Um, Trudeau has stood there and said, you know, you can come, turn your guns in, we'll buy them, but you don't have to. You can keep them, but you can't use them. You can use them, but it's kind of like going back and forth. There's, there's nothing set in stone. They're not, they're not uh, divulging what is fair mar- market value. Yeah. Um, they've said that they buy them back at fair market value, but what is that? What is your fair market value compared to what somebody's paid for it, right? And some yeah. of these weapons, especially um, people who do sport shooting, um, their their weapons are upwards of ten thousand dollars or more because of the amount of upgrades and work and and machining and stuff they've done into these weapons. So is the government going to pay $10,000 or is their fair market value is the original cost of the firearm before it was upgraded, before all this stuff was went down, right? You know what I mean? Well, I, I feel like they're going to treat it like a car and they're going to look at condition and when you bought it and then they're going to depreciate from there. That's That's what I had a feeling about. I don't think they'll ever give you what you paid for it, but... Um, which I, I think is bullshit, especially if you, it was something that was, um, you know what I mean? Like that the law became the law. Like it's, it's kind of no different than, you know, when all of a sudden, you know, marijuana was legal. And then they said, well, what about all these inmates that are in here in jail for, you know, possession of, uh, you know, marijuana? And they said, well, that was a narcotic then. So they're charged. And it just yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you know, if you, all of a sudden you just make it legal, well, you, you need to right those wrongs, I, yeah. I, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel like the government always kind of falls short on that situation because they just, it, there's a headache there, you know, and, or the people that have served 10, 15 years for marijuana and all of a sudden it's legal now. And so their grandkids are smoking it legally and they're like, what the, f-? you know, <laughs> 15 years of my life, I I was in jail. Like, yeah. You know, worried about, you know, dropping the soap and stuff like that. And <laughs> they just laughed at me. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of this stuff falls short, but are you, so we have two years and a lot can happen in two years. Um, you know, we could uh, we could have another vote, and what happens if uh, if conservatives come in and they decide, no, we don't want to do this? 
do you think that will ever change or do you think this is going to be a definitive um, law now? Um, it's one of those things that's kind of hard. Um, <clears throat> I find that a lot of the government kind of ride the coattails of the other one. So as a conservative, you'd never want to pass a gun law um, just because a lot of your constituents are going to be um, gun owners, right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of them wouldn't want to do it. Now, if they do get into power and become a majority government, will they change it or not? I don't know. Um, it took Stephen Harper his tell his second term to start looking at changing our gun laws because um, our system is bureaucrats that dictate what is prohibited, what's not. So um, in Stephen Harper's second term, the RCMP, um, decided they overnight wanted to um, change, I think it was three firearms from non-restricted to prohibited. So in Canada, um, prohibited weapons now make you a criminal. Whether you have a firearms license or not, you're not allowed to have them. They're totally banned within the country. Um, you need a special license to have prohibited and it's very hard to get. Um, it's mostly museums or special collectors or um, special museums like military style museums that they have some kind of person working there and kind of monitoring it right um, so he he did go back and change that um, that change within our within our laws for those three weapons but in the future, um, I know the majority of Canada or Canadians are behind gun bans or removing firearms. So um, whether a conservative government would do it or not, whether they feel it would benefit their political career or not, is kind of up to whether they do it or not in the next um, term for a conservative government, right? Yeah. The so the other thing i i don't know i've i've kind of heard this too and you have uh the majority of voters are in major cities right it's just that's just the way it is because you know it's there's more people in major cities and in major cities you have less people that own firearms because they they don't use them they don't you know they don't have a bush to go out to they don't have you know, any of that stuff, they, you know, they don't have a place. They can't just bring a dead deer up on their balcony on a condo and, you know, start gutting it. Right. So, you know, that kind of stuff. So the majority of people that want guns banned are only because they see that it, that they kill people. That's it. You know, cause they're in, they're in communities like they're in Calgary where there's, you know, there's not, there's not a need for a gun. You know, mm -hmm. where people rural seem, you know, they they want the outdoors. They the, the reason why they're out in the rural area is so that way they're able to be outdoors and, and hunt and fish and be able to do what they want on their property without their neighbors calling by law, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I think having those people have the loudest voice, you know, really... I don't know. It it really 
puts a snag on people who are being responsible gun owners. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, with, with your inner cities, you're definitely going to find um, the higher population that is um, not interested in guns. But the funny thing is that when it comes to cities, you have more firearms owners within the cities that are restricted owners, so that can possess handguns. Um, before this um, last um, change from Trudeau, um, AR-15 um, the military style rifles as he puts them were able to be owned and it was mostly city, city people that owned them because they're closer to the ranges and stuff like that and then when you get to your rural it's more of the um, hunting rifles hunting shotguns stuff like that um, less sport shooting more hunting sort of thing where in the cities you get more of the sport shooters right yeah but but you're absolutely right when you get into big cities um the greater populations there don't own a firearm whatsoever. Cause I think the numbers for Canada are um, 2 million people within Canada or a little bit over that, that own firearms and we have 37 million people. So there is a greater population that doesn't. Yeah. And if you look at the States, like, you know, and because their laws are so much different, it's uh, you know, there's, what, what was there? I think there's 10 guns per person if you put it out there. It's something crazy like that. It's like 10 guns per person in the U.S. If you were to give everyone a gun and then give everyone a gun until there was no more guns, it would be 10 guns per person would own a gun. Like oh, each, absolutely. Each person in the That's U.S. would own 10 guns. Crazy. Babies and everything. Yeah. Like their stat is kind of crazy. But it's because, you know, it's in their constitution that they're, you know, right, to, bear to bear arms. Yeah. Yeah. And I explained that to you, right? I explained why that yeah. was. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. So, so our, our government even said that it's, it, we didn't do it the same way. Like I'm sure your dad explained it to you that the Americans, um, the reason why I was put in the constitution is so that they have the ability to rise up against a corrupt government without yeah. the mil without the military or police overpowering them because you see it in a lot of countries like if you look at south america um they're kind of going through some um civil revolutions down there right now trying to overthrow corrupt governments but there are also areas where um there's a prohibition on guns so the majority of people are using bottles rocks baseball bats anything they can kind of find to increase their force but they're fighting against military and police who have weapons right mm -hmm. and that's the biggest thing that the states was um the original founding fathers were trying to put in place was you know keep your guns and use them but use them against a government that's not looking after your rights or is corrupt or is trying to turn our country into a communist or whatever, right? It's just basically to protect the freedoms of everyone. Um, Cause there's no greater army than the people. Cause if you look at the United States at 300 and some million people and their army is only, what, you know, 500,000 strong. Mm -hmm. So if every person in the United States wants to stand up against the government, you have an army of 300 and some million people fighting against 500,000 people military right 
Yep. So that's kind of the thing. And um, it was the same with our government. They didn't, they didn't do it the same way, but the, some of our founding fathers for Canada said the same thing that, you know, if we have a corrupt, corrupt government, we need to stand up with them with force. And if that's firearms, so be it sort of thing. Right. Yep. For sure. So, yeah, well, if, even if you looked at like the, the Philippines is a good one. The guy that was running the Philippines, that guy's a legit psycho. He just started murdering people yeah, for drugs. Like, he wanted zero tolerance with drugs. You smoked marijuana or whatever, you got caught. It was an automatic execution. They were just killing people. That's flat insane. out. Yeah. The, that guy is, oh man, he's nuts. Yeah. So like, you know, that kind of thing, you know, you see it happening and they can't defend themselves because mm-hmm. they're not allowed to have guns. Like the first thing that a government does when they're worried about being overthrown yeah is they take the guns away yep you know so to me that's a a, you know i'm not i'm not saying canada's doing that because we're more civilized but it sure does feel like that by how they did it Mm -hmm. you know that was the other thing so i was gonna mention that so we've talked about the law itself but how do you feel about how it was passed like how quick it was um me personally um, that's what scared me the most. So as a firearms owner, and I mentioned it to you and your mom and dad, we had talked about it. Um, <clears throat> if the government could give me solid proof that me turning all my guns in would make Canada a safer country and, um, you know, nobody would ever be hurt, I'd be the first person to go and hand them in and not expect a buyback or anything like that. Um, so a lot of people mistake that. And I think a lot of gun owners feel the same way is that um, a lot of us are saying the process and what they did was wrong, not the actual gun ban itself, mm-hmm. but how it went down. Um, like Canada is built on a democratic process. And the reason why it's there is to make it fair for everyone. Everyone has a voice within this country. And that's why we have our democratic process. That's why we have our, MPs are members of parliament. They are representation within the house to speak for us. Instead of having 37 million people standing in a building, you have 350 some people, right? Yep. So that, like I said, that's what scared me the most. And I think that's what scares a lot of firearms owners um, is at first it was kind of shitty. Everybody's like, Oh, that sucks. They just did that. But after, after it happened, everybody turned around and said, well, wait a minute. We just did this in Canada for the first time in history without a due democratic process, without it going through the House, without it going through Senate. Um, Our government, and I know it sounds so far-fetched and it sounds ridiculous, but that is our first taste of communism. I know Canada is not a communist country, but this is what communism is. Your government dictates and chooses for you. You have no say, you just go along with the flow. Now, a lot of people probably won't like that word or me saying that, but that's kind of our first taste. It's not a full-on taste. Like, we haven't gone full communism where our government's telling us whether we can use the hospitals or not or what schools our kids can go to and which kids can go to school. But it's still still, um, something that's happened out of what is supposed to happen. So do you think Trudeau learned that from his dad? 
Like his real dad, I mean. Fidel Castro? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Fidel Castro. <laughs> have, you, have you not seen those pictures? No. Oh, yeah. man. So they keep There's... posting <laughs> pictures of Fidel Castro and <laughs> Justin Trudeau, and they look the same. They look like, and apparently Trudeau and his wife used to go to Cuba quite frequently. And, you know, and then when he got, and then when little Justin Trudeau was born, you know, they still went there. And it was just a, yeah, you should try to look up those memes right now because it's It's pretty (laughs) uncandid. It's pretty crazy to see that. You're like, oh man, that seems pretty accurate. Especially if you see an actual picture of, you know, our first prime minister Trudeau, like, you know, like it's kind of crazy. Yeah, when you look at a picture of Pierre Elliott Trudeau and Justin, you don't really see the resemblance, but yeah. then you look at a picture of Fidel Castro and you're like, holy smokes, like milkman situation here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um being that you're you're uh you know, you're in Alberta and you you grew up here, right? Have you which way have you seen kind of have you seen the country sway? a certain way or has it tried to stay as true as what you remember when you were a kid? Um, this is just my personal opinion and my personal insight to it or what I've seen. I'm sure there's other people that would disagree with me, but um, growing up to compare it to now, I've never seen Canada so divided in my life. Yeah. Um, it, it's not Canada anymore. It's not the Canada I was born into. I remember as a kid um, standing in school and singing the national anthem and feeling this great sense of pride in what that flag represented, what the country represented, what the people represented. But now um, it just, it feels like our country has been divided into political parties. Not even, not even what's best for Canada. Just we've divided ourselves into political parties that have their hands in whatever and trying to pat in some kind of pocket here or there. And it's become, um, it's becoming almost violent and aggressive and people like friendships are ruining families or stop talking to each other because of political views. And it's almost, it's, it's become ridiculous, right? Like I don't ever remember growing up seeing Antifa or anything like that, a group that was on the left side, the liberal side who was as violent as the people they're accusing right and then you have the other side of the spectrum the conservative side where you have the yellow vest movements and you have all these other guys that are popping up all over the place right and when a country comes down to that you can really see the divide the separation yeah for sure you can so you saw the pictures yeah that's ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) yeah we gave adele a minute and then her eyes just got really big like oh my god but that's basically the same person. <laughs> yeah, right. We should we should just try to make Cuba part of Canada. So we should <laughs> kick, the, kick the U.S. out again. I also saw something that said Trudeau won't go to his funeral because of the rumors. I don't know. Yeah, he's gonna get his inheritance anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got one dad's inheritance. He'll get the other one. Yeah, that's funny. But uh, yeah, so. I, I don't know. I agree with you with it all being divided and I see it um, in all kinds of ways, but I think uh, 
I think the one way I see it the most is on Facebook and it's, you know, you, you see like those rant and rave pages and all of a sudden someone makes, you know, uh, a conservative comment or a liberal comment and it's just bashing. There's no, no, no trying to have a conversation anymore. It's just instant violent aggression typewriting Mm -hmm. towards the person. Like they're just instantly mad. Um, I had a cousin that was like, if you don't agree with this gun ban, just delete me right now. That's what she put. And so I, I tried calmly to explain to her and I was like, I don't understand why you feel like this. You know, mm-hmm. like you really, you really would rather not talk to someone and actually have a, a conversation than, you know, like try to even see someone else's side. And, uh, I was like, you know, if you if you want to talk to me, you're more than welcome to talk to me. And then she deleted my comment. And oh. I was like, because oh, it was on her post, right? Mm-hmm. So then I was just like, well, she's not even going to try to have a conversation. I just deleted her. I was yeah. like, forget it. I'll just delete her. I don't care. Because to me, you're just showing your ignorance. You know what I mean? Like if everyone kind of lives in their own bubble of what their beliefs are. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah you know, and they surround themselves in that bubble, bubble with their beliefs, whether it's Facebook, whether it's what news channel you listen to, doesn't matter, you know, because all news channels are even different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going to, you're going to look towards those things on Facebook. And then that algorithm is going to see that, you know, oh, maybe it does a little bit more liberal, you know, and we'll suggest this to you, or we'll start showing you this, mm-hmm. you know, and then you just stay in that bubble. And yeah. I, I think it's very unhealthy to stay in that bubble because then you just form the same opinions as everyone else in your bubble and you never get to really learn anything. So in school, I hear political (laughs) comments thrown, especially by the guys in my school. Uh, I'm not sure why that is. I just hear it more from them. Uh, But if someone makes a comment that's more liberal, they'll be like, Oh, you're like, you're liberal. Aren't you that just that kind of, I was like, oh, well, you're not conservative, that kind of thing. And um, I don't know. I don't hear it super often, but I do hear it every once in a while. And there was a, a guy with that um, paper juice box water bottle thing, yeah. uh, like a decal on his water bottle. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you agree with that too, Dustin? You see it a lot on Facebook. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, social media has given a voice to everyone. Uh, if you look at prior um, politics or discussions, it was kind of left to the politicians and people sat in their houses and they talk amongst themselves or their friends about whether they agree or disagree with what the government's doing. But it, now there's a huge platform and I think that huge platform is almost dangerous. I think Facebook is dangerous when it comes to politics because now people um, without being face to face or without having the accountability of learning or discussing or showing the respect to another person to have a decent conversation about it. You get these keyboard warriors as they call them that get online and just like you said, spew hate. Um, if, If you're a conservative and you make a post on a liberal comment, all of a sudden you're attacked by six liberals, you know, calling you a homophobe or a sexist or a racist, or, you know, you're just a downright red redneck and, and all this kind of stuff. And 
I think the face-to-face conversation now takes that ignorance away and it, you're, you're almost held to that accountability of showing the respect because if you're not respectful, the person across from you is not going to be respectful and you're not going to like it, right? Or on the keyboard, you can write your rant or your, your words and you can walk away and not have to deal with whatever they have to say, right? So I, I definitely see social media being a hindrance and kind of causing more issues than good. Um, it's great that everybody has a voice and that they can voice it and talk about it. But uh, right now with our current world order, it almost seems like there's, there's, there is no more conversation. There is no more learning. It's just more ignorance than anything. Yeah, I agree. And just because you have an opinion doesn't mean it's right either. Yeah, like I, I, I have lots of opinions and I know that probably more than half of them are not right in some aspect, <laughs> but they're right in my aspect, you know, like to me, I think that they're right. But do I think that you should adhere to them? I don't think so. You know, they're just my opinions. Their opinions are not facts. Yeah. See, I got, I have other friends that are um, more liberal and uh, instantly just don't want to hear me. <laughs> they yeah. just do not want to hear me at all. And it's it's okay. You know, like I listen to them and I'm like, no, I get it. I see where you're coming from. And I'm like, but, you know, look at it from this point. And they're like, I don't want to. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, I, I don't know what else to say to you then. Like, you know, there's, it. that's not a, that that's a form of dictatorship too Mm -hmm. you know if you voice your opinion and you expect me to just agree with it instead of having a conversation about it but at the same time um, I've seen a lot of people that were conservatives just bash the crap out of a liberal for saying something on Facebook and then I'm like man that's not the way to do it though Mm -hmm. I get it that everyone does it that way but if you just try to have a conversation I think it's I don't know. I think it's better. Mm-hmm. You know? I think I think that's kind of what our politics have come down to. Like, if you actually watch the House of Commons, it's just a bunch of people bash each other back and forth with no resolution. Yeah. Like you're like you're saying. Um, like I find myself to be very conservative, um, but at no point will I ever turn down a liberal's input. If someone who's liberal wants to come and tell me a liberal way of doing things. I'll accept it if it's a good idea. If I don't find it a good idea, then so be it. That's their opinion and that's their right in a free democratic country is to have those opinions to voice them and not to be scrutinized for it. And I will not scrutinize anybody for their political or religious beliefs or any belief, whether whether it's political or religious, doesn't matter, right? Yeah, um, so I, I took that test, you know, that test to see which way you should vote. Did, yeah. you, did you ever do that? Oh yeah. <laughs> and I, I I leaned more conservative than I did liberal, but it wasn't by a ton, right? Like there's a lot of questions there that were, you know, about like women's rights and stuff like that or, or you know, and there's a lot of things I'm I'm more liberal about and that's probably one of them for sure. Uh, you know, about women and their rights and to their own bodies and stuff like that. So you know, I was I was leaning more, you know, more conservative. But I'm not one of those guys either that's, you know, I'm true blue and I'm just going to stay the way I am. And, you know, like I'll I'll back up anybody that, you know, is going up against red, you know, kind of deal. And the uh, the one thing, like I, I even said it to Adele 
I think we talked about it on the podcast was the way that uh, Andrew Shear just kept going after Trudeau and not actually talking about what they were going to do drove me nuts. I was like, why are you playing this game? Like, we get it. You don't like him, but I don't need you to sit there and just go after him every freaking time. It drove me nuts. And it actually, it actually made me a little sad and deterred me from even wanting to vote that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it bothered me watching the debates for the election. And to me, it looked like a bunch of elementary students just bickering back and forth. No one, no one could tell us what they were going to do for Canada. They just could tell us what everybody else is doing wrong. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of my biggest peeve right now is with our political system is that um, when it comes down to whether it's conservative liberal, NDP, green, whatever. Um, these parties are only in it for their best interest. There's, there, there's no Canada in it. Because if they were truly worried about Canada, there wouldn't be a division like there is within the country. Yeah. All, if, you, if your leadership shows you how to work together, so whether you're conservative, liberal, NDP, if they can work together and form a coalition government, even though, say, liberals are majority, so they have the most seats within the House, and at the end of the day, the decision's always going to rule. But if they sit there and say, conservatives, what are your thoughts? And the conservative party gets up and says, you know what, this is what we think about it. And the liberals are like, you know what, that's a good point. So let's bring that up. Let's, let's, let's see if we can compromise on what direction we're going to yours. And if, if our leadership could do that and prove to us that that's a possibility, and the rest, of the rest of the country follows suit. There wouldn't be this great division like we have right now. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Adele? Um, I did watch some of the some of the debates this year because I am I'm I'm going to be able to vote next year. So yeah, you are. So <laughs> I I wanted to kind of see um, what it is because I. I, I don't I don't really like looking at the government stuff. I don't find it interesting, but I know it's something I have to educate myself on because it's a it's a decision. Like you have to make It's your decision. Yeah, it's my decision and I like to be educated on the decisions that I make. So I watched it and I'm like, I don't know what anyone's doing for Canada right now. I know that this person doesn't like this person and I know what this person did 3 years ago, but I don't know anything about where you stand politically yeah you're a political party and i don't know where you stand politically do you know it's funny Hmm. i just thought about i I didn't just think but i thought about this like a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. so like i was looking at all the parties and that and like uh one of your grandmothers um used to vote for the green party all the time and do you know why anyone ever voted for the green party because they don't want to vote for the other two no they wanted marijuana legal. All that, right. That's basically why anybody really voted for the Green Party. As right. far as what I, the only time I've ever heard anybody talk about, like, oh, no, I voted for Green. I'm like, why would you do that? Well, because they want to legalize marijuana. And now it was a liberal government that legalized marijuana. I wonder if they all feel like their votes that they had for ever just felt like a waste because it wasn't even the green party that made it legal yeah maybe (laughs) 
I think it's kind of funny. But anybody like, and in high school, it was even worse. There's a lot of pot smokers in my school, mm-hmm. in high school. And, uh, you know, all of them were like, man, if we just vote green, like that's the only time anyone ever talked any kind of politics was, you know, we're going to make it legal one day. We're going to do it. You know, yeah. we're all, we'll all vote green. And it was like, oh, yeah, the 15 of us all sitting here are going to make that difference. Are yeah. We? <laughs> You're not even going to remember this after you take a nap and eat some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of worried how the way, the way that the government's going and how what's going to happen because it's. I feel like we're becoming more of the states. It's more of a circus, you know. It's more um, like a reality TV show, like Trump was on. You know, like that's kind of what he yeah. brought. It's kind of what he brought to it. And I don't think those debates were ever as, uh, I don't know, bluntly, I don't know. They were, when Trump got on and they started doing debates, he just personally attacked people, Mm -hmm. not even just their parties. He just went right after them. And like, you know, and his one word comments and it was the sarcasm and stuff like that. But it made for interesting news. So people posted it and watched it and, you know, it got big. And I feel like our government decided that, you know, well, it worked for him. We should start doing stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know. But I think Canada has always prided themselves as being a more polite, more respectful country than America. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, it's just slowly not not the case anymore. Yeah. But I don't know if it's because people are just tired of being polite or if they just realize that the ruder that they are, the more eyes will look at them. Yeah. What do you think, D? Yeah, um, I think you're spot on with that. Um, I think we're, we're chasing that path. We're following it pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're, we're right there with them. I don't think we're much better anymore um, besides the fact that we have this heritage of being polite. It's not that way anymore. Yeah, no, definitely not. I can contest for that. I sell decos online and um, yeah, I don't think I ever saw um, bumper stickers with swears on them as much as what you do now. Yeah. (laughs) Just just to even put it out like that. I think, yeah, a lot of, I think a lot of it, too, is just Alberta itself. Um, and I think a lot of the Western provinces, I think we're on the same boat. We're, we're feeling kind of left out and like we're not being taken seriously. And, uh, you know, I think that's why stuff like that's happening now. The, the you know, F. Trudeau bumper stickers or this is not my Canada bumper stickers. I think it's, it's growing because... <clears throat> it seems the East is dictating what we do in the West and what works in the East doesn't work in the West. Um, our resources are different. Like Ontario, Quebec are definitely huge into um, heavy metals and ores and diamonds and gold and doing that kind of stuff. We're out here, we're logging water and oil and gas, right? Yeah. And so trees. What, yeah. So what works for them out there doesn't work for us. And I think that's where, a lot of this hatred or um, negativity is coming from. It's just 
kind of getting tired of not being listened to. Yeah. Well, it's also, like I, like I said, it's kind of a wider scale, but it's still those people still in a bubble, right? Yeah. They, they don't see what it's like out here. Like when we moved out here, it was, you know, there was all these grand, you know, ideas that I was going to end up being, you know, loaded and stuff like that. And, you know, I was going to have an oil and gas job and, you know, and it, it didn't turn out that way. You know, like it wasn't that case. And then everything kind of went for shit. So uh, it really wasn't that case. But then I never tried to pursue it anymore. Like the oil and gas industry, I just never bothered to even try. I was like, you know, I, I got these skills and I can make a decent living out here with these skills. So, and that's what Ooh. I did, you know, but it was crazy because people were like, no, you don't understand. Like, you know, if you went up West, like even to Fort Mac, you know, and worked at Tim Hortons out there, it was like, you know, $19 an hour because they can't find people to work for minimum wage out there because of how much money people make. And then you come out here and that's not true at all. Like, but that was, that's what people thought of out here, you know, like, oh, they got all that oil. They just make all that money and, you know, everyone's happy. And it's like, no, they're not happy, you know, and when everything kind of collapsed and, you know, it, it, it sucked, but, uh, at the same time, I think uh, I think Alberta did. I think Alberta people do well in adapting and making the best out of it and doing what they can, right? Um, absolutely. Um, I think Alberta is great at adapting, proving it time and time again with all the natural disasters that we have here and stuff like that yeah it's been one after another it's been crazy yeah well man we've done a whole bunch of time sweet yeah i hope i hope i helped you guys out i don't know if there's more questions or oh, i imagine else. i don't know maybe we'd probably love to have you on again that'd be, it'd be a lot of fun maybe after when this quarantine stuff's all over you actually come and sit down and we could all look at each other. Yeah. Sure. You, you could see the you could see the faces Adele makes sometimes when we start, <laughs> when we start rambling too much. The eyes start glazing over. <laughs> it Fair happens. Yeah. All right. Dustin, thanks for star. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Cause uh like I said, yeah. I kinda wanted your opinion being a being a, you know, like someone that lived in Alberta his whole life Red, and has seen it, right? The redneck Albertan. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. We'll talk to you guys. Well, we'll see you guys later. Bye. Sounds good. All right. Bye. bye.